Hello, everyone, and welcome to Endless Possibilities, a podcast where we explore the unexplored. Today, we're going to be talking about the shocking science of sword swallowing, something that I never thought in my life I would ever be talking about at all in my right mind, something that I never thought ever I would be talking about. Anyways, let's dive in. So sword swallowing is one of the riskiest acts to perform, as you probably know, because it is sword swallowing. And it actually has a surprisingly interesting history. Sword swallowing first originated in India and has been around for about 4,000 years. That's so long, I didn't realize it even came from India or it, it was around for so long. The only reason why I didn't think it was from India in the first place was because when I think of India, I don't think of sword swallowing. I think of like curry and amazing food and like gold and like dancing and stuff like, and like amazing dances. Also because I'm Sri Lankan and that's pretty close to Indian culture and stuff like that. But not exactly the same. But like, I think of India like that. I never thought of sword swallowing, you know what I mean? Anyways. Over centuries, many different cultures practiced this procedure and it has become famous all over the world. Even religiously, Indian priests um, who were known as fakirs actually used to swallow sharp objects like swords to show their power and connection to the gods above. And this is super interesting because it's like sword swallowing. You see it kind of, you see it happen and you're like, oh, this is just for entertainment or for people who just like seeing gory stuff or just stuff that could get you hurt. But I never thought it had a religious aspect because it's just one of those things that you see around and about and you never really think much of it. But yeah, it, it was super interesting to read it and learn about that. And Walking on hot coal and snake charming were also done for this purpose in Indian culture. That's also super cool because I never knew that for the exact same reason I never knew about sword swallowing. You see it everywhere. You think, oh, it's just for daredevils and they just do it for fun. You never really thought religion. It's not something that you that usually comes up when you talk about it. Anyways, it is actually thought that sword swallowing was that sword swallowers were part of a particular tribe in Andhra Pradesh called Kondadora. It was here where the difficult practice of swallowing a sword was actually passed from father to son. Kind of like how like Americans or like different other families, it doesn't even have to be Americans, like any culture, like other families pass down their cooking from generation to generation. It's so, original and it's so amazing and I feel like it's also amazing how it's through like speech it's it, like it's traveling through word of mouth like you're telling it to that person they memorize it maybe they write it down once in a while they probably write it down but like it's mostly going through word of mouth and I'm so happy that that still happens because it's pretty obsolete now that we have the technology that we have today. eventually spread to Greece and Rome during the first 80. Performers would enlighten the audience during Roman festivals. Enlighten is a very interesting word. I never thought, hmm, when you're talking about sword swallowing, you would think of enlighten because I think of enlighten as a word that you would use when you're talking about like going to church or like 
your specific wh whoever you believe in enlightening your your culture or your religion basically religiously I would think of enlightened as something like that as the practice gained popularity Japan began to enjoy the act in 750 AD centuries later the dangerous sort performance met religious beliefs yet again. Middle Eastern Arabian Nights in 1100 AD included an interesting twist as religious entertainers were hired to swallow swords to demonstrate spiritual strength. Again with the spiritual things and the religious things, it's happening all over the world. It's kind of like sword swallowing took over the world, one sword at a time. <laughs> yeah. From the Middle East, Europe recognized sword swallowing as a form of festivity in 1800. Performers gained popularity by performing on the streets and at shows. Surprisingly, during the Middle Ages, sword swallowers were expelled by the Catholic Church for their performances. I really want to know why, but we couldn't actually find information on why that happened, but I really want to know. It's, it's, it's bugging me that there was really enough information on that. By 1893, sword swallowing was especially popular in America. This is because performers had entertained for the first time at the famous Chicago World Fair. Oh my god, the world, the Chicago World Fair. If I could go back in time, I feel like that is one of, that's the time period or like that's the place that I would probably, one of the places that I would probably want to go to. Like it seems so fun, like a fair, it probably didn't cost as much also. And like, it just, it just sounds so fun, especially because of the stress that's going on in everyday lives now. It's just, it sounds so tempting to go and just run away to a world where there wasn't as much going on. Transitioning to the 20th century, sword swallowing traveled across the world. It was popularized amongst different countries and festive events. And now going on to how the sword is actually swallowed. First of all, the chosen sword is lubricated for it to glide easily down the throat. Lubricated. Oh my god. <laughs> when I hear the word lubricated, I actually think of lubricating a car, like oil, and I and mm. I actually hope, I hope to God that they didn't put oil on the plane so it would slide down mm. your body. Oh my god. Mm. I don't know why. It's just like lubricate. My brain goes, lubricating a car, oil, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then a performer extends their neck to their mouth by tilting their head back. They move their tongue out of the way and repress the gag reflex, which is not something you should probably be training yourself to do. Yeah, because the gag reflex is reflex is there for a reason. So you don't choke. Like what if you're actually choking? Like and you learn to suppress your gag reflex. What's going to happen then? And then they line the sword with the path of their gastrointestinal tract down to their esophagus. Then, 
It then passes between the lungs and nudges the heart slightly to the left. Oh my god, I can't with this. This is just too much for me to listen to. Like, I already listened to a lot of Corey stuff, but just, like, hearing this in such detail, it's just, oh my god. <laughs> but it's all for your entertainment. Yeah. And finally, the blade goes all the way down through the stomach. And now we're going to go back to history. We're just going to continue. So, the fakirs of ancient India would actually pass their swords following legacy to their children in generation after generation, like I said before. And they would actually practice it for years just to achieve the right concept, kind of like how riding a bike is different for everyone. You have to figure out how you like holding the handles and how and which leg you start like start pushing off or riding from it's different for everybody everybody has a different groove a different way of doing it know what I mean and even till today mastering this art takes a maximum of 10 years and honestly like that is too too much time for me even if I wanted to do this I do not have the time or patience to devote so much time in my life to actually just doing one thing it's just I, I wouldn't be able to do it even if I really really wanted to a person practicing sword swallowing actually has to have a strong mental attitude, enabling conscious relaxation. Because if, if you're not relaxed and if you're not concentrating with immense concentration, something's going to slide the wrong way and something's going to get cut. And that's not good. You don't want that to happen. But anyways, with this attitude, they can manage to pass the sword down their throat and back out. Oh my god, I just yeah, I could never be calm knowing that I'm swallowing a sword. Yeah, I know. Anyways, over the centuries, there have been several key sword swallowers that have made the history books. They've performed both on stage and off, and here are some of them. Ramosami was a famous East Indian juggler who traveled to the UK and US between the years 1814 and 1850 to perform sword swallowing. And in the middle 1800s or in the mid 1800s, a famous sword and snake swallower, snake swallower, oh my God, by the name Salamentro, learned the art from a friend at the age of 17 and he originated from London, snake swallowing. How, is the snake already dead or is the snake alive? That's the thing that bothers me. I don't know what's worse. Oh no. Anyways, I keep saying anyways, I'm sorry guys. Senasama was the first sword swallower in America. He originated from Madras in India. And in 1817, he performed for a sword swallowing exhibition in New York City. And lastly, we have Nicholas Falkard, who was born in Sweden in 1971 and began swallowing swords in 1991. He taught himself the dangerous art and swallowed swords that were 65 centimeters in length. That's hella long, guys. That's so long. Anyways, there's the anyways again. You can stop myself from doing that. No matter how professional or experienced a sword swallower is, they have to be cautious of the dangers. In the past 100 years, there have been around 40 sword swallowing deaths, 
This is relatively high considering that there are only a handful of people who swallow swords. Sword swallowing and its side effects can be numerous. When sword swallowers practice their act, they are likely to get sore throats. This is when their throat becomes painfully bruised, taking weeks to recover. Usually, performers will have to consume a liquid-only diet for several weeks. Like a baby, like literally like a baby who has no teeth and can't actually chew anything. Like, the pain is immaculate. Why would you put yourself through this much through this much pain like I'm not trashing sword swallers if that's what they actually want to do with their life but I'm just putting out my opinion and I do not I cannot approve of this myself doing this myself I cannot do this (laughs) and passing a sword through vital organs obviously may result in damaging cuts a slight nick of an organ or a blood vessel can cause serious bacterial infection. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, my my germaphobe self could, could not, could never. Yeah. Sword swallowers can also develop a swallowing difficulty known as dysphagia. This results from repeated insertion of the sword in the body. Yeah. Sometimes that that's wrong. <laughs> <It's> wrong. <laughs> Sometimes esophageal cancer can occur from stomach acids making repeated contact with the esophagus wall. All I'm all I'm hearing is heartburn. Yeah. That's that's all I'm hearing. <laughs> it's not fun. And consequently and obviously the worst case scenario is simply death. Saying that so casually, like, yeah. yeah. Worst case scenario is simply dying. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what happens. And even though it is obviously dangerous to perform, sword swallowers love entertaining their audiences, which leaves them performing this insane act flawlessly, which they should be doing. Otherwise, they could get really hurt. Yes. And continuing. Sword swallowing is risky. That much should be very, very, very obvious to basically everyone. But people manage to make a career out of putting blades down their throats. So at some skill, at some level of skill, Swallowing a sword becomes a calculated risk. A 2006 study in the British Medical Journal looked at exactly what dangers sword swallowers face, what the complications of sword swallowing might be and how to prevent them. Radiologist Brian Whitcomb consulted 110 sword swallowers from 16 different countries to get a sense for what the dangers and complications of the trade might be. And quoting the article, major complications are more likely when the swallower is distracted or swallows multiple or unusual swords or when previous injury is present. 
who in their right mind would do sword swallowing when there's a previous injury? Like you're you're just hurting yourself more, dude. <laughs> Preparations mainly involve the esophagus and usually have a good prognosis. Sore throats are common, particularly while the skill is being learned or when performances are too frequent. Major gastrointestinal bleeding sometimes occurs, and occasional chest pains tend to be treated without medical advice. Why would you go without medical advice? Your doctors could help you. Why? Why? You need, if you need help, just go to a doctor, people. Get help. <laughs> Sword swallowers without health care coverage expose themselves to financial as well as physical risk. Finding sword swallowers is actually surprisingly easy. Even though there's only a handful of them, they have an association. The Sword Swallowers Association International, or the SSAI, which I'll probably call it, <laughs> their membership requirements are in order to become officially recognized and endorsed as an official sword swallower member of the SSAI, a candidate must be at least 18 years of age and prove him or herself able to swallow a solid steel sword blade at least 16 inches in length and at least one half inch in width under the following requirements. Solid steel. Why does it have to be solid steel? Like, especially like, I feel like they also start with solid steel. They just start with like a normal blade, like even when they're beginning. That's so dangerous. Yeah. I feel that's what they do. I, I'm pretty sure that's what they do. And it's so dangerous. Like, why can't they just make like a, um, like maybe, maybe like silicone or like a specific type of plastic maybe something that you could slip down your throat that's not going to cause permanent damage yeah each sword must be available for inspection by officials and witnesses each sword must be non-retractable with non-collapsible solid steel blade so it definitely has to go down all the way through your stomach you can't be fake yeah each blade must be at least 16 inches in length, which is 38 centimeters. And That's so long. And each blade must be at least one half inch wide in width, which is two centimeters. Okay, I'm okay with like a two centimeter blade, but like 38 centimeters or 16 inches for the people in America um, is so much. Like, I gay, and I choked on a piece of sausage that I breathed in. What's my life? <laughs> Through surveying these members, the researchers were able to document a few common side effects, like sore throats, which we already explained, which they actually adorably call sword throats, <laughs> and pain in the chest and lungs. Six of the sword swallowers suffered tears of their pharynx and esophagus, and three of those sword swallowers had to have surgery on their necks. This is what you get, people. You have to be careful, especially if you're going to do something like this. 
while nobody in the association in the association has died, thank God, three of the survey takers reported medical bills totaling in the range of twenty-three thousand to seventy thousand. Oh my God, am I glad that I live in Canada? Like the taxes are higher, but at least you don't have to pay up front when you need to go to the hospital. You know what I mean? But most sword swallowers don't go to the doctor when they feel pain, according to the research. Go to a doctor, people. This is the last time I'm gonna say it. The most dangerous times for a sword swallower tend to be when they're distracted or swallowing a new or oddly shaped object. And while most sword swallowers didn't suffer major injuries, the doctors still don't recommend you pick up the hobby. Our four, and, and I quote from the study, our 46 respondents collectively had swallowed over 2,000 swords in the three months before we contacted them, but the complications relate to their professional lifetimes. Although the risk of sustaining life-threatening injury is low for an experienced swallower while relaxed and concentrating on swallowing a single sword, the risk over a career is high. People liken the process to doing a split. Some human bodies are set up for it. Some human bodies are not, like mine. I cannot do a split for the life of me. For the life of me. Like, if, if, if I had to do a split to save my life, I would just go and be like, so, sayonara, people. I'm dead. Peace. And this is, these are the words of Elise. S. Carter, a 42-year-old professional sword swallower and sideshow performer who uses a stage name, The Lady A, which I find super mystical and super cute. It's I would probably use that name if she hadn't taken it. She performs frequently and recently discussed the history and anatomy of the skill to a crowd of about 100 in a dark basement in Brooklyn's Morbid Anatomy Museum which features wax medical specimens, taxidermies, and a library with books about the macabre. Morbid Anatomy Museum. I'm gonna add that to my list of places to go because I like death. I'm quirky and I'm creepy like that. <laughs> Anyways, learning to swallow a sword comes down to a mental game of involuntary bodily function control. And what was extraordinary to me was how much time and effort the sword swallowers put into being able to do it, said Brian Whitcomb, a British radiology consultant whose sword swallowing story published with Dan Meyer in the British Medical Journal, which we already told you bits and pieces of that study, won him an IG Nobel Prize in 2007. Carter fits this mold exactly. She recounted her, her, her apprenticeship as brutal, spending two years practicing, developing a routine, and incubating a mental relationship with her involuntary reflexes, where the real secret of sword swallowing lies. Today, Carter splits her time performing and being a freelance journalist, but she wasn't always a huge sword swallower. As a teenager in Manhattan, she was inspired by the punk rock attitude of freak show performers, but ultimately began working as a financial editor because, as she said, that was a job that paid money. Carter didn't begin swallowing swords, actually, until about eight years ago, beginning her training after a pep talk from artist and fellow sideshow performer A.V. Vibes. The training process starts with the performer suppressing the gag reflex, which we already told you, you should not do, and opening the upper esophageal sphincter, a muscle that acts as a seal to open and close the esophagus. 
They then shift their bodies to strain their esophagus, allowing the sword to pass the bend around their heart. And finally, they must open their lower esophageal sphincter to allow the implement to enter their stomach. To the layperson, controlling the upper sphincter is at least logical because this is where the gag reflex lives. However, controlling the lower esophageal sphincter is what really impressed Abraham Kahn, a gastroenterologist at New York's University Langone Medical Center. Kahn explained that the lower sphincter is about a third of the pressure of the upper sphincter, keeping it shut. However, it opens only when the body swallows and its functions are completely involuntary. So it's mind boggling how one could actually control this muscle. And even professionals in sword swallowing and professionals like Professor Khan did not quite know how they could control it. And that is aside from intense concentration. The lower esophageal sphincter is closely linked to acid reflux, an ailment Carter said afflicts some older sword swallowers. If the muscle is weakened, acid can seep out of the stomach and irritate the sides of the lower esophagus. Long-term, this can cause Barrett's esophagus, a condition in which the normal esophageal cells have been replaced with tissue similar to that of the intestine. And I actually wonder, how old do you have to be to actually stop sword swallowing? Because at a certain age, you have to stop doing certain professions. Like if you want to become a doctor or a surgeon, there's a certain age where you have to stop because your hands are shaky and like you might make a mistake and that cannot happen. But like, I wonder, what about sword swallowers? Yeah, the disease can lead to an increased chance of contracting esophageal cancer. No studies have been done to link sword swallowing to esophageal cancer, and most deaths seem to stem from missteps during performances, like a dropped sword, causing internal bleeding. As for Carter, she doesn't suffer from heartburn. She initially suffered from stage fright, which seems to be the most difficult part of her performances. Once you've mastered sword swallowing, it's the least stressful part of the act, she says. So what we've learned today, it's probably better to take up knitting or juggling if you're dead set on joining the circus. Absolutely right. Anyways, that was the end of, the t of today's episode, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed. We'll see you next time. Bye.